following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Our reading today is from Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and his place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over us. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying this voice of the Lord. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So I've been doing a series on the end times, which we're pausing for this week, and get back to that next week as we take some time to think about Thanksgiving. The term thanks in English and saying thank you and thanksgiving is is a little interesting. We don't have time to get into the English roots of the word and all the rest. If you look up thanks in different languages, you'll see that it has different ways that it's come about, generally all means the same thing in that it's it's a way of expressing gratitude to someone for doing something that for you, and you're acknowledging that verbally. Um, and one of the things, one of the reasons why Thanksgiving is so important is because it connects us with reality. It's an expression of what really is. It's very easy to live life kind of like with our head, heads down, just doing whatever we're doing and not taking the time to notice what's really going on, and in particular with the subject at hand, that we are recipients of, of all that we have. Nothing originates from ourselves. We'll get into that a, a little more as we go along. But a month ago, as we were wrapping up another series in the letter, the first letter of John, we looked at the last verse 
where he says, little children, keep away from idols. And so we took some time at the close of that series to look at, at the importance of that saying. And I read Romans 1, verses 16 through 25. And I'm going to do that again because it's so key in helping us to understand the importance of thanksgiving. So again, Romans 1, 16 through 25, Paul writes, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, uh, in the, ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So one of the things here, and I don't know how much time we've actually, how much time we've given ourselves to think over these things in a day where we get surprised sometimes when we believe, when we encounter somebody at work uh, that actually believes in God. It seems belief in God is in the great minority at this time. But Paul claims very clearly, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that through creation, God has provided sufficient evidence that people should be able to acknowledge that there is a divine power behind everything that's been made. In our very atheistic type and agnostic type culture, that might be hard to believe because denying the existence of God, questioning him, saying we can't really know is so common. But from God's perspective, denying the existence of God for human beings uh, Actually, we have no excuse for that because God's power is displayed through what he has made. And I'm, I'm going to avoid going down a further tangent on that. We'll keep going here. So they are without excuse. Verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That's why I'm reading this. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so Paul's saying here that what humans have done, we humans have done, is instead of acknowledging that all that around us in life and in the creation has come from the hand of God, we fail to do that. We haven't given thanks for all that he has done. And so the result of that is we become futile or useless in the way that we think. Our hearts then become darkened. And then we, we think we're really smart. We claim to be wise, but actually we become fools and this is expressed through idolatry, exchanging an acknowledgement of the greatness and goodness and power and truth of God and have bowed down to the things that we've made with our own hands. Or in other words, instead of giving 
thanks to God, acknowledging that all that we have has come from outside of ourselves, we become focused on what we make. We bow down to the things that we create. We think we're so wonderful as if we are the origin of our own goodness, provision, protection, care. And that is is a big lie. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. When we, instead of give thanks to God, acknowledging him for all that he has done for us, when we turn instead to the works of our own hands, we're actually worshiping ourselves. When we do that, we have cut ourselves off from reality. When we talk about the truth in Scripture, we're not talking about God's perspective on life, as if We all have perspectives. There are all sorts of different philosophies in the world. And here's God's contribution to the discussion. And some of us have decided that we prefer God's viewpoint over other people's viewpoints. Actually, the Bible is a reflection of reality. And when we properly engage the truth of Scripture, we connect with the way things really are. And so when we don't give thanks for all that God has done for us, and when I say all, we'll never capture all, but you know what I mean. When when we don't give thanks for all that he has done, we're living a lie. We're living in falsehood. We're living in a fantasy, but not a nice one. And so the result of that is all sorts of dysfunction in our personal, relational, communal, and societal lives. So before we get into the specifics of of giving thanks, I want to look at some obstacles, obstacles to gratitude. To give thanks is to express gratitude, to acknowledge that something that I possess, that I have, that the goodness in my life has come from outside of myself. Whether you've given me a cookie or God has given me a new day to live, a life to live at all, gratitude is that, is, thanks is expressing that gratitude, that acknowledgement that I am a recipient, that I am not the originator of that which I have. So what are some of the obstacles to gratitude? Well, first, ignorance, just not knowing. Now, on one hand, Paul says that the created created order is evidence sufficient for us to realize that there is a God who has created these things. But we've been filled with lies And many people just don't know. And when we don't know, then our thanks is going to be misplaced. 
For some people, it's it's that acknowledge, acknowledging that the origins of all things have come from our parents, our coaches, our teachers, our friends. And we should acknowledge when we have received positive influence, help, provision through human channels. But ultimately, the originator of these things is in God. But when we don't know that, our gratitude becomes misplaced. Another obstacle to gratitude is self-reliance. Now, I'm aware that some people are too overly dependent. And often what happens, uh, some, sometimes people will claim over-dependency upon God when actually they're more, they tend to be overly dependent upon other people. Um, and and that's, that's, that's a problem itself. But when we don't know God for who he is, we will most often look to ourselves as that which is the source of, of all that we need. And when we do that, we become blind to the reality. Another obstacle to gratitude, resentment and bitterness. So some people start off well with the Lord and then things happen. Or maybe we don't yet know God and things have happened. Very bad things, difficult things, painful things. And then they become the focus of our lives. And we get stuck in, in the things, the negative things that have happened to us. And in a sense, it's another type of self-reliance because what happens is when we become resentful and bitter, we might start blaming, but we often, what we're doing is we're turning, in, t- turning into ourselves and are so focused on our pain that we can never really get the help that we need. It's really tragic when difficulties harm that may have come to us when we've been truly victimized by, by other people, and that does happen, when that begins to cloud that actually there's a goodness of God that's at work even behind those negative things. I quoted, I think it was in my, in my prayer at the beginning, Romans tells us that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. When I've thought about that verse, I've often thought it's one of those too-good-to-be-true Bible verses. If you actually think about what it's saying, that there is nothing, nothing that happens to us that God cannot use for our good. I really wish that some of the things that have happened to my in my life didn't happen to me. And if I heard your story, I could I could sympathize with you that there are certain things that have happened to us I really wish hadn't happened. I think God actually feels the same way about some of the ways that we have been harmed by cruelty by uh, 
people's misguidedness or whatever their motives are. Some horrible things have happened to people and they are terrible. And when we think about the goodness of God at work in the midst of terrible things, that never excuses when evil has come our way. Like Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But to come to that place, that's what we need to do. To be able to see that we are living in a broken world where evil does exist. We receive it and we dish it out. At the same time, Jesus died and rose. And so in the midst of our broken world, we can experience the goodness of God. He can heal us of the deepest pains. He could provide perspective of of circumstances that have happened in our lives that we have been focused on in a particular way. And through the, the decades of my life, I've been able to look back at some of the terrible things that have happened to me and see, oh, now I can see what God was doing in that. Again, it doesn't excuse the evil actions. And yet, our Father God is at work doing good for his children in the midst of horrible evil. But we'll never be able to see God's goodness in the midst of the evil if we're totally focused on self, our pain, and our bitterness. Along with that, of course, is the need to forgive. Forgiveness of others, not excusing others, but forgiving others, unlocks the kind of perspective that we need to be able to see that our good Father in heaven has been with us from even before we were born until today. Another obstacle to gratitude, to thanksgiving, is simply forgetting. Sometimes just don't get around to it. And that is a sign that we are distracted. Again, there are, this, the past year and a half has been a very, very confusing, noisy, distracting time. Uh, we live in a day of so many voices with social media and, and all the choice that we have of online things and, and shows and movies and all the rest. And of course, we're, and then we're dealing with all of the other aspects of our, of our lives, and it's so easy to be distracted by needs, by wants, by pleasures, by addictions, and so on. And as we are distracted by all that is going on, it's so easy to forget. But remember, to fail to give thanks to God twists our hearts and sends us in a very destructive direction. And so we mustn't forget. We must remember to acknowledge all that God has done and is doing for us. And so for the next few moments, I want to look at a biblical perspective on thanksgiving. And so contrary to the idea that we can rely on ourselves or upon others, for our lives. The Bible teaches that life originated in God. 
None of us are here because of our own ideas. We didn't do it. We didn't born ourselves. And all this goes back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whether you're giving thanks, whether you're thinking of things that, that you're thankful for, or those things that you are resentful about, ultimately, it all goes back to the fact that God got the ball rolling. And I would encourage people, if people who are stuck in their resentment, take it out on God. He could handle it. Look at Job. And, and he, he sought God with, so aggressively in his pain, in his suffering, in his injustice, until God broke through to his heart and his life and brought him to a place of understanding. Life, everything originates in God, and this is why he should be thanked. Not only did life originate in God, he also sustains life. As I mentioned, despite a broken, a broken, challenging world, God continues to hold things together. He also provides. The Bible teaches that God is the one who blesses the rain and the crops and, and, and so on. And if he did not bless the work of the farmer, we would not be able to go to the supermarket. Now, there was a time where we were closer to the, the dynamics of God sending rain from the heavens and we'd see what would grow or not grow. And nowadays, we do a click and things are mysteriously delivered to our, our door. It really feels like magic. Of course, it's not, but it feels that way. It's very difficult to... to experience the modern world and connect with the fact that our provision is totally dependent upon God. Not only is it dependent upon God, he has promised to take care of us. Matthew 6:33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things would be and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I think I've shared with this congregation before what a what a revelation that was to me in my first year as a believer because I grew up in a household where my parents argued about money all the time and everything was, we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't do the other thing. I couldn't do the things that my friends were doing because we didn't have the money and it caused so much angst between my parents and in our, in our household. And then I come to know the Lord and now I hear that I have a heavenly father who provides for me. And he provided for me and Robin when we were in our first year of marriage and then she was pregnant and we were still in Bible school and we had to take out our coin jar, this was before debit cards, and, um, and counted the change out of our, our, our change jar in order to take the bus to go to school. And yet, ten children and seven grandchildren later, with in a twisty uh, road of following the Lord of interesting types of employment and non-employment through the years, raising all those kids and watching the bills get paid and the, and the debts get erased and God provide. And then on top of that, being able to do crazy things like when me and five of our children were part of a tour to Israel back in 2001 
And the Lord provided us with a total like $18,000 to be able to do this. And it, this whole thing was summarized by my daughter Naomi when she was about, maybe she was 12 at the time, and wanted to go to a church weekend camp and um, she wanted to go, and I told her that, I said, Naomi, we don't have the money to do this. You, you know that. And she said, well, it's never stopped us before. That we've lived a life not dependent on what was in or not in our bank account, but on the will of God to provide for us whatever we've needed. Again, if you think about it, it sounds like magic, but it's actually a lot better because this is not about incantations and formulas. This is about holding open hands and hearts to a loving Father who has promised to give us everything we need. And for most of us, most of the time, not always, it's been more than we have needed. So, life originates in God. He sustains life. He holds it together. And our Heavenly Father provides for us. And not only that, he has called us into intimate relationship with him. He's not just some Santa Claus in the sky that, that, that sends down gifts to uh, worthy children who've been good. Far from it. The reason why we can delight in his provision is because he truly is our Heavenly Father who has gone out of his way by sending his only son to die for us, that our relationship with him could be restored. I remember the day, um, many years after I came to the Lord, where I caught how unworthy I really was of the relationship that he had given to me. And to see how lost of a person I was. And then to grasp what he has done to, to make me his child. Not only that, to partner with me, that I would partner with him in his mission of rescue, salvation, and goodness and blessing on this earth. That I get to partner with my daddy God. I never got to do um, go with my father to work day that's become a popular thing in schools I understand but every day we get to go to work with our heavenly father as he has chosen to partner with us in fulfilling his will on this earth should we not be thankful for that and as I mentioned earlier another reason for us to be thankful is that he has forgiven us He's forgiven us. And as I go over this, I wonder if this is the best order. But that's okay. To think that we had been turned unto ourselves, away from him, and whether we bow down to literal statue idols or not, we were twisted in our unbelief and our misguidedness and our sin. And he has provided us with forgiveness so that we could be restored to him. And to think out of that forgiveness, we could actually forgive other people. I didn't grow up thinking that forgiveness was actually a thing. Some of you might be able to relate to this. I grew up in a household where certain people didn't talk to each other. My father didn't talk to his one brother for most uh, of the time I, they were alive in, in my life. 
they had some sort of reconciliation late in life before my father died and before his, his brother died first. But I, the only time I ever saw my uncle was after my grandmother died. I saw him for a few days because of the morning, um, the morning traditions. Um, but that was it. And my mother had a cousin. Decades. Didn't talk to her. That's what I, how I was taught. You punish the people that wrong you, that don't live up to your expectation. And then I come, I, I become forgiven for my sins and learn in God's word that then I'm obliged to forgive other people their sins. And we, we recite this every day, well, some of us every day, every Sunday with the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Or you might use the word uh, trespass. This is one of the greatest things that God has given to the human race. The gift of forgiveness, not only to receive it, but to give it to others. And unless we give it to others, we're not going to be able to receive it. But it's like, forgiveness is something like we should be like, like, forgiveness is like all these gold coins in a pile and we're throwing them up in the air. What an incredible gift to have because forgiveness entraps the person who's bitter. And no wonder then we have trouble giving thanks. But once we forgive other people, then it unlocks forgiveness for us and we are restored to our relationship with God and we walk with him as our father who provides for us. Then we realize that every good gift comes from him. Philippians 4 verses 4 to 6 reads, it's Paul again, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, again, I will say rejoice. Remember, he wrote this from prison. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psychological health comes from the formula contained in these three verses. Sometimes people think that we're, these verses tell us, uh, thou shalt not be anxious. And then when we get anxious, we feel bad because we're not really trusting God. Read the letter and you can sense Paul's own anxiety in the letter. It's not about not being anxious as much as what to do when you are anxious. As many of you know, when we get anxious, we tend to turn in on ourselves. Back to that again. And then we might get angry at other people and circumstances. But God's prescription for anxiety is to seek God in prayer. Talk to him. Pour out your hearts to him. But do it with thanksgiving. And, and, that, and that's not a gimmick. Because of the other things I was sharing earlier when we go to God in prayer, even when we're upset, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're depressed, we're anxious, to stop and realize that we're approaching the Creator God who takes care of us, who provides for us, and so much of the anxiety that we go through is a perspective issue, is because we're not seeing the whole picture. And when we start to give thanks to God for all that he has done for us in the, in the big things and the small things, it doesn't necessarily fix the situation, 
but it puts our heart back in order so that we could see the situations that we're in more clearly. And when we do that, when we seek the Lord with thanksgiving, then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that we still have in our society a Thanksgiving holiday. This is our second Thanksgiving during these COVID times. And imagine there's lots of people wondering what they have to be thankful for. Lord, this is not just um, an attitude check. This is about truth. It's about your revelation. Help us, Lord, to see again all that we have to be thankful for. Lord, we thank you that you don't belittle our challenges, our problems, our wounds, our pain. You don't belittle when wrongs have been done to us. You weep over them. You care so much that you sent your son that we might be restored and that we might be healed. Lord, help us to see again or see for the first time how good you really are in the midst of everything else that we would be able to bring our cares, our worries, our anxiety, whatever our issues are, to you with thanksgiving. Because you have all there is that can help us and you desire to pour out those blessings upon us. Lord, if, there's, if there are those here that are stuck, where there are obstacles in, in our lives that I either mentioned or did not mention that have gotten in the way of knowing you and your goodness in the, the way that we should, would you please break through that we would walk closely with you, our loving Heavenly Father, forgiving others and being forgiven, that we might walk in the freedom of the celebration of thanks. Help us not to be concerned that others might think we're weird because we have strange smiles on our faces, because we know something that maybe they need to know too, in the middle of all the current challenges and confusion. Show us, Lord, Again, who you really are and how much we have to be thankful for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.